0: Welcome to the May 25th, 2023 episode of Blood Podcast, your source for innovative ideas and cutting-edge information. Our topics are based on articles published in Blood, a journal of the American Society of Hematology. Today, we'll discuss the findings from a study exploring the combination of concurrent pembrolizumab, adriamycin, vinblastine, and decarbazine in newly diagnosed classical Hodgkin lymphoma. Learn more about the effects of targeting the CD40-CD40 ligand axis in Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia and review the findings from a study aimed at improving the bone marrow homing of CAR cytokine-induced killer cells in AML. We first examined data in the blood article entitled... Concurrent Pembrolizumab with AVD for Untreated Classical Hodgkin Lymphoma by Ryan C. Lynch from the University of Washington in Seattle, Washington, and colleagues. The current standard of care for the frontline treatment of classical Hodgkin lymphoma includes doxorubicin, bleomycin, vinblastine, and decarbazine as well as combinations with brentuximab vedotin, Despite the high cure rates achieved with this approach, many patients will relapse and require intensive second-line therapies, followed by high-dose chemotherapy and autologous stem cell transplant. Three novel drugs are currently approved for use in relapsed refractory classical Hodgkin lymphoma, including the antibody drug conjugate brentuximab vedotin and two PD-1 inhibitors, nivolumab and pembrolizumab. In a recent study, pembrolizumab was found to have superior progression-free survival compared to brentuximab vedotin in relapsed refractory patients who were ineligible for autologous transplant. A phase 3 trial comparing concurrent nivolumab plus doxorubicin, vinblastine, and dacarbazine, also known as AVD, to brentuximab vedotin plus AVD, has recently been completed. In the current study, the authors hypothesized that concurrent pembrolizumab with AVD chemotherapy, or APVD, could be a safe and effective approach for the first-line treatment of classical Hodgkin lymphoma. This single-center open-label trial enrolled 30 adult patients between February 1, 2019 and June 18, 2021, with any stage of classical Hodgkin lymphoma and no prior systemic treatment. Patients received therapy with intravenous doxorubicin, vinblastine, and decarbazine on days 1 and 15 of a 28-day cycle. Intravenous pembrolizumab 200 mg was given every 21 days, starting on cycle 1, day 1. All patients received at least 2 cycles of study therapy with up to 6 cycles total. The primary endpoint was the safety and tolerability of 2 cycles of treatment. The secondary objective was to determine the number of patients in complete response by PET, CT, after two cycles of therapy. Exploratory endpoints included the overall response rate, complete response rate, progression-free survival, and overall survival for the intention to treat population. Additional exploratory endpoints included survival analyses performed using CT DNA assessments at baseline, as well as after cycle 1, cycle 2, and at the end of treatment. Of 30 patients enrolled in the trial, 6 had early favorable, 6 had early unfavorable, and 18 had advanced stage disease. The median age was 33 years, with a range from 18 to 69 years. The study met the primary safety endpoint, with no significant treatment delays in the first two cycles. Grade 3 to 4 non-hematologic adverse events were seen in 12 patients, These included febrile neutropenia in 17% of patients and infection sepsis in 10% of patients. Grade 3 to 4 immune-related adverse events were observed in 3 patients and included elevation of alanine transferase or elevation of aspartate aminotransferase. One patient experienced grade 2 colitis and arthritis. A total of 6, or 20%, of patients missed at least one dose of pembrolizumab due to adverse events. In 17%, the missed dose was due to grade 2 or higher transaminitis. Efficacy analysis performed on 29 response-evaluable patients revealed an overall response rate of 100% and a complete response rate of 90%. With a median follow-up of 2.1 years, the two-year progression-free survival and overall survival were 97% and 100% respectively. None of the patients who discontinued pembrolizumab due to toxicity had disease progression. Clearance of ctDNA after cycle 2 and at the end of treatment was associated with superior progression-free survival. Interestingly, none of the four patients who had persistent disease according to PET at the end of treatment but negative ctDNA have relapsed to date. The authors concluded that treatment with concurrent pembrolizumab and AVD shows promising safety and efficacy, but may yield spurious PET findings in some patients. In an accompanying commentary, Matthew G. Mai and Alex F. Herrera from the City of Hope National Medical Center in Duarte, California, note that Lynch and collaborators made an important contribution to the growing body of evidence supporting the incorporation of PD-1 blockade into the frontline treatment of classical Hodgkin lymphoma. In addition to demonstrating that this regimen is both safe and effective, they observed a high rate of false positive PET-CT scans and confirmed that CT-DNA assessment was highly correlated with the treatment outcome. However, May and Herrera also note that since PD-1 blockade is associated with prolonged responses when given as monotherapy for classical Hodgkin lymphoma, longer follow-up studies are needed to confirm that remissions are truly durable. In addition, given the suboptimal predictive value of PET CT scans during and following treatment, further work needs to be done to establish the optimal way to monitor disease response with these novel regimens. Moreover, The use of ctDNA to monitor disease response will need to be validated in a larger cohort, and the optimal timing of ctDNA sampling also remains to be determined in future studies. May and Herrera conclude that studies of treatment de-escalation could be considered in future trials of classical Hodgkin lymphoma if the striking efficacy results with APVD and other novel anti-PD-1-based regimens are maintained in long-term follow-up. Next up, we'll discuss the findings from the blood article entitled Targeting the Immune Microenvironment in Waldenstrom Macroglobulinemia via Halting the CD40-CD40 Ligand Axis by Antonio Sacco from the ASST Civil Hospital of Brescia in Brescia, Italy, and colleagues. Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia is a clonal B-cell malignancy characterized by the accumulation of lymphoplasmacytic cells within the bone marrow, along with a serum monoclonal immunoglobulin M, or IgM, protein. Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia typically starts with IgM monoclonal gammopathy of undetermined significance, which is defined by a bone marrow infiltration of lymphoplasmocytic cells lower than 10% and no specific symptoms. Active Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia is characterized by features that can include anemia, low platelet count, adenopathy, organomegaly, peripheral neuropathy, and symptomatic hyperviscosity. Although the pathogenesis of this malignancy is not completely understood, recent studies have demonstrated the role of somatic mutations of myeloid differentiation primary response 88, or MYD88, and CXC chemokine receptor type 4, or CXCR4. Whether immunosuppressive mechanisms contribute to the pathogenesis of Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia remains largely unknown. One of the most critical immunosuppressive mechanisms involves the expansion of T-regulatory immune cells, or Tregs. Tregs T-regs play a vital role in immune self-tolerance mechanisms, but can also support cancer cells through immune suppression and evasion. The role of T-regs in facilitating tumor progression has been demonstrated in both solid and hematologic malignancies, but their potential role in the pathogenesis of Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia has not been investigated. In the current study, the authors used a series of in vitro and cell-based experiments as well as a transgenic murine model of Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia to better understand the crosstalk between regulatory T cells and Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia cells. They first assessed the potential role of Tregs in the pathogenesis of Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia in a previously published lymphoplasmacytic Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia transgenic murine model that mirrors the features of human Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia. Flow cytometry experiments conducted in this model revealed that the bone marrow microenvironment is enriched with infiltrating CD4-positive T lymphocytes over CD8-positive T cells. Additional characterization of T cells found a significantly higher level of immunosuppressive CD4-positive, CD25-positive, FOXP3-positive regulatory T-cells in Waldenstrom mice compared to control mice. These findings translated to the clinical setting where the transcriptomic profiling of Tregs derived from patients with Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia uncovered a characteristic mRNA signature enriched for FOXP3 target genes and for NF-kappa-B-mediated TNF-alpha signaling. MAPK, and PI3K-AKT-related genes, as well as a different Treg functional phenotype, leading to enhanced immunosuppressive properties. Compared to their healthy counterparts, regulatory T-cells derived from patients with Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia exhibited a higher expression of Treg effector molecules, which can inhibit the effector immune cells, as well as a greater capacity to curb the conventional T-cell growth creating a highly immunosuppressed environment for unrestrained growth of Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia. To better understand the molecular mechanisms underlying the induction of regulatory T cells, the authors conducted single-cell RNA sequencing experiments on the entire population of cells obtained after the Treg cell induction assay. With this approach, they were able to map regulatory T cells to a cluster with a distinct gene set that was enriched for FOXP3, CD25, and IL-7R genes. Finally, a closer examination of the Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia regulatory T-cell crosstalk revealed the CD40-CD40 ligand access as one of the key components for supporting the Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia cell Treg interaction and creating a permissive tumor microenvironment. The authors concluded that their findings demonstrate the existence of a T-reg-mediated immunosuppressive phenotype in Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia, which may be therapeutically targeted by blocking the CD40L-CD40 axis to inhibit the growth of Waldenstrom cells. In an accompanying commentary, Prashant Kapoor and Jorge J. Castillo from the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, note that the study by Sacco and colleagues provides insights into the strong influence of regulatory T-cells and their interaction with malignant B-cells via the CD40-CD40 ligand axis in the pathogenesis of Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia. Kapoor and Castillo further note that this exhaustive work provides the framework and opens the door for further evaluation, innovative targeting, and disruption of a critical communication channel between the host and the lymphoplasmacytic cells the findings by Sacco and colleagues also raise several important questions, including whether in vivo disruption of the CD40L-CD40 axis could translate into superior control of Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia, as has been observed in the preclinical model. In the final part of today's podcast, We will review a report published in Blood entitled Selective Homing of CAR-CIK Cells to the Bone Marrow Niche Enhances Control of the Acute Myeloid Leukemia Burden by Marta Biondi from Fondazione IRCCS San Gerardo di Tintori in Monza, Italy, and colleagues. Despite the therapeutic advancements attributed to chimeric antigen-receptor T-cell therapies, In various hematological malignancies, their therapeutic potential has not been realized in AML due to multiple obstacles. Some of the challenges of applying CAR T-cells in AML include disease heterogeneity, the lack of AML-specific target antigens, and leukemia-induced remodeling of the bone marrow microenvironment. Efforts to potentiate CAR T-cell therapy in AML Have largely focused on identifying optimal antigens and engineering CARs to promote more specific targeting, as well as on finding effective combination approaches, such as incorporating immune checkpoint inhibitors. However, one of the challenges in improving the efficacy of CAR T cells in AML is ensuring that the cells efficiently reach and persist in the bone marrow, which is the primary location of acute leukemia initiation, maintenance, progression, and chemoresistance. Moreover, emerging evidence suggests that the ability of CAR T-cells to persist, or HOME, in the bone marrow microenvironment is a prerequisite for consistent therapeutic activity in AML. A key requirement for the efficient migration of cytotoxic T-cells to the tumor site is that they express chemokine receptors matching the chemokines produced by the tumor or tumor-associated cells. Thus, modifying CAR T cells to express chemokine receptors may potentiate their migratory and infiltration capacity. CXCR4 is a chemokine receptor that binds to CXCL12, also known as SDF1, which is produced by bone marrow stromal cells. The binding of CXCR4 to CXCL12 plays an important role in the retention of hematopoietic stem cells and progenitor cells in the bone marrow. Clinical trials are currently underway employing chemokine receptors CCR4 and CXCR4 to improve CAR T-cell trafficking to the tumor site. In the current study, the authors hypothesized that overexpression of CXCR4, whose ligand, CXCL12, is highly expressed by bone marrow stromal cells, could improve T-cell homing to the bone marrow and enhance their interaction with bone marrow resident AML cells, facilitating disease eradication. To test their hypothesis, they engineered CD33 CAR cytokine induced killer cells, or CAR CIKs, either with the wild type CXCR4 or the mutant CXCR4R334X receptor. The mutant CXCR4R334X receptor was discovered in patients with Wim syndrome and has been shown to increase the retention of hematopoietic stem cells in the bone marrow. The migration ability of these CAR-CIKs was assessed using the Transwell Migration Assay. The CAR-CIK in vitro effector functions were tested against the CD33-positive KG1 AML cell line, or primary AML cells obtained from patients. Finally, CAR-CIK engraftment and in vivo anti-leukemic activity were assessed in mice using a fluorescence-activated cell sorter scan and immunohistochemistry. The findings revealed that overexpression of both CXCR4 wild-type and CXCR4 mutant in CD33 CAR CIKs resulted in increased migration toward CXCL12 in vitro, which was further increased with the expression of mutant CXCR4. Moreover, CXCR4 overexpressing CD33 CAR CIKs showed enhanced in vivo bone marrow homing, which was again more pronounced with the mutant CXCR4. However, Despite superior bone marrow homing abilities, the mutant CXCR4 receptor did not enhance the anti-leukemic activity of CAR CIK cells. Only CD33 CAR CIK cells expressing the native CXCR4 led to better clearance of AML cells and survival. Taken together, these data suggest that arming CAR CIKs with CXCR4 could be a promising strategy for increasing their therapeutic efficacy in AML. In an accompanying commentary, Miriam Kim from the Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis, Missouri, notes that the findings reported by Biondi and collaborators demonstrate the potential benefit of using CXCR4 as a therapeutic tool that may enhance T-cell immunotherapy. The study was designed on the premise that the mechanisms used to support hematopoietic stem cells in their bone marrow niche can also support AML cells, particularly the leukemic stem cells, that serve as the origin for disease relapse. Thus, by expressing CXCR4 on immune effector cells, the authors hoped to position them closer to leukemic stem cells and increase the probability of achieving durable remissions in AML. They were also able to demonstrate that enforcing CXCR4 expression on CD33-targeting CAR-CIK cells enhances their homing to the bone marrow, and improves their activity against AML. However, CAR-CIK cells with the native CXCR4, but not the mutant receptor, showed improved tumor cell killing capability in vitro. This may be due to the ability of the native CXCR4 to stabilize the immunological synapse, which is lacking in the mutant CXCR4. Kim concludes... That it will be interesting to see whether these latest findings are broadly applicable to different types of immune effector cells, or if they are limited to the specific CIK cells used in this study. The initial hypothesis that CXCR4 can be used to target leukemic stem cells also remains to be validated in future studies. For a list of additional authors, as well as more detailed articles and commentaries on which this podcast is based, please go to bloodjournal.org. Be sure to join us next week for another episode of Blood Podcast. Thank you for listening.